So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this time together. And we thank you, Father, for your holy presence. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word that's unchanging. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd soften all of our hearts tonight, that we'd have receptive hearts, teachable hearts, that we'd be willing and obedient, Father, to receive your living word on good ground, which is our hearts. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us tonight what we do not see. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. In fact, they got a whole, the whole map here. The whole, this whole building is going to be changed around. And, and uh, those of you that aren't aware, also, you can look at Isaiah 43, that uh, this year, and I can't, it'll probably be this spring. There will be no longer any children's services over here in this other building. Because of security, we're bringing everybody over. So if you have children, you won't have to drop them off at the other building. Everybody will be here. And so we've got about a $40,000 project. We're, we're remodeling in the other side so we can accommodate the, the preschool. And uh, that way, it's just good. Everybody's under one roof. Now, if you're a parent, you'd be more secure bringing your kids to the same building. And so it's going to be a a, a major project, but we'll get her done. Amen? Isaiah 43. I didn't get to finish Sunday what I I started, and and, uh, so I do want to finish it tonight. And I also want to remind you next Wednesday is what? Home fellowship. So we'll be meeting in our our homes and uh, remind you of that. And uh, Isaiah 43, verse 18, it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a what? God says he'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How many of you, um, it's hard for you to change? Are you, you young people, is it hard to make changes or is it easier, Lily? Harder? Okay. Well, I don't care how what age you are. Sometimes it's kind of hard. You know, when you get old like Brian and I and Tim, it's hard to make changes. Then when you're really old like Nutters, just forget it. So I left you out, Terry. God promises this year, and I say this, and I say this with all sincerity, I believe God wants to do new things in your life. He wants to do new things in my life, my family. He wants to do new things in this church. What we're doing next month's a new thing. Mm-hmm. It's a new thing. And so in order for us to, for God to do new things and pour out an anointing upon us and, and open doors of opportunities and and new spheres of influence in our community, we have to be open to change. We have to be willing to make changes and adjustments in our lives. And uh, we said this and and told you that God will do new things, and he'll pour out his spirit, and and he'll give us grace to do new things. But we have a responsibility on, on our end. What do you and I need to do? We need to be willing and obedient. We need to do what? What else? 
See why I have to go over and over? What, what, else, has to, what, what else do you have to do as a believer? If you want God to do new things in your life, there's some changes that you need to be making in your I'm pointing this way. I'm... Your mind. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you think. God wants to do new things, but then you have to change the way you think. Some of we get these preconceived ideas about God. You know, a lot of people think God just carries a big stick, and if you screw up, he's going to whack you with it. That's as far from the truth as, as could be. If God sent his only son to die on a cross for you, why would he want to whack you with a big stick? He's a God who's merciful and he's full of compassion. And so we've got to change the way we think about God. We've got to change the way we think about, what else? Us. Us. You and I need to change the way we think about ourselves and, then, and how, what we, how we think about other people. And uh, sometimes it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but I'll tell you what, we've got to make sure that we make, that our mind is changing. You know, it's hard for me to, to make changes. I'm not into technology. How many of you are really into technology? Let me see your hands. Just love Facebook, and what else is there? I could give a rat's rump about all that. I don't, I don't walk around, you know, with my smartphone. And I'm not on Facebook. What else do you do? What, is, what are some other things you do? Snapchat and... Twitter and do you do that, Tim? I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't care about it. But I do I can text. Aren't you proud of me? I can I can send text messages. But there's times I don't even like to answer the phone. She won't even answer the phone. She lets me answer the phone. Okay? So but we gotta change the way we think and and the thing that we said we need to do is change our heart's attitude. Remember that? That's so important. Um, we said if you're willing and obedient, God will bless you. He'll, he'll open up doors for you. And we said in order to experience a fresh anointing for, for new things, it will require a repentant and teachable and obedient heart. And a repentant, teachable, obedient heart. We said your love for God will be revealed by a submissive and obedient heart. So how, how do you know that you love God? Or how does God, God's omniscient, he knows everything, but how do you prove that you even love God? What do you do? What do you do? You're willing and obedient, okay? Jesus said, if you love me, show it by doing what I have told you. We said your lack of obedience is viewed by God as the sin of lawlessness, and lawlessness is just a flagrant defiance of the known will of God. It's the cruelest manifestation of the lack of love in a believer's life. Lawlessness is, is someone that just lives their life in self-will. They just do whatever they want to do. And, and so we said in these last days in which we live, and I believe we are living in the last days, lawlessness is rampant and the love of many will grow cold. We said the final stage of lawlessness is a stubborn refusal to repent. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to finish this. This gentleman said, as the enemy's activity, as the devil's activity increases, is he our enemy? As his 
activity increases in the last days, it's imperative that believers learn to live in a state of perpetual repentance. They must open their hearts to the Holy Spirit. They must continually turn away from carnality, worldliness, and those pet sins that so easily beset us. And most of all, they must repent of rebellion, lawlessness, and self-will. I said Sunday, and I said it sincerely. There's things I don't like about me. Now, I know you probably have a whole list about me because I'm the preacher. And the preacher has a target on his back most of the time. But there's things in my life. I, is there things in your life you don't like? And I'm not going to get into it in detail because all of us have areas in our lives where, where we have our, our flesh is in control or we, we're in sin in some area and, and we're missing the mark. That's all sin is. We're missing the mark in some area of our life. And it's just more and more all the time, I just want to get it right. I want, I want to get it right. I want to make sure my heart is right before God. You know, I think about when I was young, I grew up in the 70s. And uh, 70s was a fun time for me. I had a good time. And uh, and then God got a hold of me. And uh, I've told you this story before, but I had a friend. And he was a close friend, not a not super close friend. His father was a doctor and. And uh, he got into drugs. I never did get into drugs. Thank God for that. And uh, one night, this friend of mine, who's his pastor now, jumped out of a car at 60 miles an hour to kill himself. And he lived. And he got to thinking, maybe God has something for me to do got his attention well he got he he asked jesus to come live in his heart it changed his his he changed so because i used to party with him and i'd I'd be around him and and uh he wasn't the same and it got a hold of me it 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 i thought what happened to this guy that i used to party with and now he's going to bible school well, that was back in the 70s, and there was an outpouring of, of, of the Spirit of God at that point, and God got a hold of me. Long story short, I gave my heart to Christ. You know, the reason that God got a hold of me is because one day I woke up after being out the night before, and my mother called me to the, and said, Mike, your dad's dead. Woke up to my father dead in his bed. Now, I, I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through that. And the last thing I told him, I remember, I, I, he was sitting in his chair. He, he had cancer, and he, we didn't, he didn't even tell me he had cancer until a year after he was diagnosed with cancer. And the last thing I remember looking at him, and he was sitting in this chair he always sat in. I said, Dad, you know, I, I got to think, and I, I really think I want to take over your business. And I walked out the door. And I got to thinking about that. I w- wished I could have told my father, you know, Dad, I think I'm going to serve God, be a preacher. But back then, that's not what I was interested in. So God got a hold of me, 
And this young man that, that jumped out of the car um, got a hold of me and started to tell me about Jesus. And, and, and then he got me filled with the Holy Ghost. And I followed his footsteps. He went to the same, he went to Bible school, and then I went to the Bible school he went to. And now he's a preacher in Hastings, and I'm a preacher in Norfolk. Not bad for two guys out of the 70s. But, see, I had to be open for change. I had, I had to be open for, for things to, to change. I married her, and, and uh, you've heard me tell this. I remember taking her folks to a, a full gospel businessmen's meeting, and, and it was pretty wild. They didn't say one word going home that night. And it was very uncomfortable. See, change. See? Change. But... You know, I, I, I'm at the point in my life that I, I want to continue to please God. I want, I want to do something big for God. I want God to finish what he started in me. But all of us, our hearts can grow cold. And if we're not careful in these last days, our hearts can grow cold. And we can become indifferent and apathetic. And as a shepherd, I can see it in the people in the church. Say he's not talking about me. We've got to continually turn away from carnality, worldliness, and those pet sins. And most of all, we need to repent daily of rebellion, lawlessness, and self-will. This is how I start my day every day. Mother UPS interrupted me. I had to get up. And somebody else interrupted me. I got up. Then I had to just, I just gave up. I, but that, this is how I start my day. What, what am I doing? It's, I'm praying, and it's an act of submission. Lord, I, I screwed up. I've missed it, but I want my heart to be right today. Lord, I create within me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And you know what? God loves me. God forgives me, and, and God gives me another opportunity to serve him. Now, so what do you and I have to do? We have to change the way we... Think about God, ourselves, and other people. What else do we need? Heart's attitude. Make sure our heart's right. Well, this is, this is the last thing, and I didn't get to this on Sunday. But you're going to, and I'm going to have to learn to adopt God's will and his ways. Say, adopt God's Adopt God's will and his ways. In other words, you and I need to conform to his will and to his ways. Psalm 25, 4, David said, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Show me whose ways? So what should be our prayer? Father, what's what's your will for me to do today? What do you want me to do for you today? It's not about me, Father. It's about you. How many people pray that? They don't. Because most Christians, they're just concerned about me. But in in the time in which we live, you and I need to be concerned every day. What does the Father, what did Jesus do every day? He went off to the wilderness or he went up on top of a mountain to get his orders from headquarters. So you and I need to learn how to go to God every day 
and, and pray that, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Is that right? That's, that's the truth. Now, what's God's, what's, there, you know, we could go a long time and talk about different things as far as aspects of God's will and God's way, but these are two things. Everyone say two things, and I'm going I'm to give you this and we'll be done. These are two things that, 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 are, that God is concerned about. Number one, your spiritual growth. God's will for you and God's will for me is to grow up. Everyone say grow up. The next thing that he's concerned about is unity of the body. In other words, how do you work with other people? How do you get along with other people in the body of Christ? So in order to experience a new and fresh anointing from God for service and ministry, we must... All of us must learn to adopt and abide by his ways. What did I tell you some of his ways are? Two things, growing up, growing spiritually, and unity of the body. And what this will require from you and I is change. God expects you and I to change. How can you not grow and not change? Any living organism changes. Are you a living organism? Sure you are. So you're going to change. I'm going to change. God has ordained for his people to grow spiritually and to work together. This will require you and I to change. Look at John. John chapter 15. Say, I love to change. Yeah, yeah, that really came... Yeah, I'm really convinced. Jesus said in John 15, it says in verse 1, I'm the vine and my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear what? Much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So true disciples are going to bear fruit. And if you're a true disciple of Christ and you're going to bear fruit, then you're going to have to change. In the time in which we live, things are speeding up, going real fast. Technology is changing, isn't it? From one day to the next. A lot of things are changing. And, and some are good and some aren't so good. But we're going to have to be open for that. And, uh, you know, the church can't do the things that it did back in the 80s. And that might break your heart, but it's the truth. We can't live in 2016 like we did back in the 80s spiritually like we lived in the 90s spiritually, like in 2000. We can't live that way because things are changing and God does new things. God wants to do new things. He, this thing in February, I believe, is a, is a new thing. 
And do you realize when I said this, I didn't get positive feedback from everybody? Uh Uh-uh. Sure didn't. No, I'm not. It requires you and I make some changes. Not everybody wants to work with special needs people. And that's fine. I mean, that's all right if that's not something you want to do. But I just can't see my Lord Jesus saying, ah, your special needs, I I, got to move on down the road. I got to get to Jerusalem. That's not my Jesus. So it requires you and I to change, change the way we think, the way we do things. We're we're doing things different. We're moving from one building over here to this. That's a change. It's a transition. Why? Because of the times in which we live, we need to make sure we keep the sheep safe. Isn't that sad? It is. But you can't leave your door unlocked anymore. You can if you want to. We're living in different times. Look at Colossians 1. Colossians 1 and verse 10. I pray this every day. This is the prayer of Paul. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, in verse 10, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in what? Every good work. So God's will for you and I is to grow spiritually. God's will for you and I as a Christian is to bear fruit. You know what we're going to do in February? We're going to bear some fruit. And it says, pleasing him. Bearing fruit for God's kingdom pleases the Father. It pleases the Father. As a believer, your willingness to change in order to grow and be spiritually productive. Now, are you, are you listening? I want to make sure you're listening to this. As a believer, your willingness to change in order to grow and be spiritually productive or your resistance to change and grow will have a positive effect or an adverse effect upon other people. So you and I, a stubborn refusal to change. Do you know there are churches out there that are still the same that they were 50, 60 years ago? There's still people that come sit in their own pew. That's a little joke. And by all means, don't you sit in their pew because it's my pew and my family is sat in that pew. Have you noticed we don't have pews here? But I've noticed through the years a lot of you, you, you sit there a lot. That's where you sit. Osborne, you sit generally in that direction. And you, you're, you're always right there. He was? Oh, a cup. oh he's moved. You guys, I, I have no problem anybody sitting on the front row. That takes guts. Spiritual. It helps you hear better. Ex-soldier, huh? But we're, we, we're all resisted because we're cre- creatures of habit, okay? So you and I, we need to be open for change because <coughs> we need to be productive, and if you're, you're not going to be productive for God, you're not going to be productive for the body of Christ if you're not willing to change. Now, <coughs> look at Ephesians. I'm almost done. <coughs> Since we have guests tonight, 
and I want him to come back. I'm not going to preach so long. Usually, Tim, I go two, three hours on Sunday. Ephesians 4. This is the, the chapter that talks about how God pours out spiritual gifts. And he gives the church the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, the pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Did you know that? Did you hear that? We shouldn't be children. Why do you need the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher? To help you grow up. So you'll not be carried about with every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may what? But speaking the truth in love may what? Grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. See, you and I have something to supply. You, everyone here in this room has something to contribute. And that's God's will. For you and I to bear fruit and you and I to, to work together, growing up into all things, the whole body working together. I wrote this down, and, and uh, I read this. Dick Mill said this. He said, changes do not come easy for the church world. And that's true. We must change because of the condition of a lost and needy world. To refuse to adopt to changing circumstances is to ignore the cries for help from a lost society. Let me say that again. Changes don't come easy for the church world. We must change because of the condition of a lost and needy world. To refuse to adopt to changing circumstances is to ignore the cries for help from a lost society. So we've got to change because there's a world out there that's waiting to hear from us. Do you know when we started in the ministry many years ago, do you know what was popular? What the big deal was back then? In, in order to reach people, you'd go knock on their door. You remember those days, anybody? We'd have evangelists come, and, and we'd go out into the community, and we'd go through the neighborhoods, and we'd knock on all the doors, and I'll never forget knocking on this one door. And it was a this college student opened up, and he was, he, I'd rather open up, up to a college student that didn't know Jesus, but he was a college student that was going to the Christian college. And he looked at me, and he said, then he starts start quoting Scripture, and he asked me why I had the right answer. I felt so proud of myself when I left, because he was questioning me whether I really knew the Bible. But that's how we, we'd go door to door. You never liked it, and I never liked it. I didn't like to go interrupt people in their dinner and their family time and knock on their door and, and, and bother them. And I, 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 even when I... Years ago, they'd come knock on my door. We, yeah, you didn't like that either. Get around my wife, you're going to find out what she likes and don't like. Real easy. But, you know, there's different ways of reaching people. And we're doing one way in February. 
And you know these people are going to come, a hundred some special needs people, and you know what? I'm not going to preach to them. I'm not going to, you know, make them feel like they got to go to this church because they don't have to. All we're going to do is bless them. Bless them. Make them feel important. Make them feel like, you know, they're part of something. Make them feel special. And that's it. That's a true witness. I don't have to go, and there'll be no follow-up. Isn't that wonderful? You used to, you get, have meetings, you get all their names and, you know, follow up on them and, oh, jeez. I don't like it. You don't like it. There's got to be a way of doing it. You've got to build relationship. That What it comes down to, folks, is you've got to build relationship with people and get to know people so they get to know you and that understand that you're the real deal and that you're not a hypocrite and you're not just playing the game. Last scripture. Everyone said, say last scripture. Psalms 55, 19, it says, says this. This is good scripture. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. That's a powerful scripture. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. I want you to think about that. Because they do not change. If you're unwilling to change, I'm unwilling to make changes in my life. It says, I don't fear God. This verse says, if you and I will not change and adopt God's new ways, it's because tradition means more to us than the reverential fear of the Lord. So, God promises to do new things in your life. When's he going to do them? This year. Is God going to do new things at Harvest Church? When? This year. God's going to pour out a fresh anointing. He's going to open doors for us. But you and I are going to have to make changes in the way we think about God, ourselves, and others. We're going to have to make sure our heart's attitude is right. We're willing and obedient. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Pastor asked me to do it. I'll do it. Is that willing? That's obedient, but it's not willing. We have to be have submissive hearts, willing hearts. And then we've got, got to make sure that we adopt God's new ways. Amen. Well, I wanted to finish that on Sunday, but I finished it tonight. So, you better start expecting God to do some new things in your life. Amen.